Welcome to episode 143. Today, I'm answering a question about how to handle clashing values within extended families. You are listening to the Simple Families Podcast, a Q&A style show that brings you solutions for living well with family. Here's your host, Danae Barahona. Hi there, it's episode 143, and today I'll be taking a question from an audience member. Emily has a question about an upcoming visit from her brother-in-law and sister-in-law. They have a very different approach to parenting, and she's worried that this might disrupt their relationship. It's a relationship that she truly values. But before we get into that, here's a message from today's sponsor. Today's sponsor is ButcherBox. ButcherBox delivers a box of meat to your doorstep. It's high-quality meat, 100% grass-fed, grass-finished beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage-breed pork. The quality is amazing, and there's a commitment to raising animals humanely, free of antibiotics and hormones. Not only do I love the quality, but the convenience. The meat is frozen at the peak of freshness, and it's waiting on your doorstep in vacuum-packed, biodegradable packaging. It's incredibly convenient and ships anywhere within the 48 states. You can choose your delivery frequency and the types of meat that you're going to get. And recently, they've added wild Alaskan salmon. I encourage you to try it out. For $20 off your first box and two pounds of free salmon, go to butcherbox.com forward slash families and enter the promo code families. Again, for $20 off your first box and two pounds of free salmon, go to butcherbox.com forward slash families and enter the promo code families. Just a quick word of a couple things going on on Simple Families. I have relaunched the mini course on cooperation, which is completely free. If you go to simplefamilies.com forward slash cooperation, you're going to get my five minute mini course. It's five days, one minute a day, how to get your kids to cooperate. So if you've ever wondered, why don't my kids listen to me, then you might need this course. Sometimes that's our default response when our kids aren't doing what we're asking them to do. We say, you're not listening or you're not being a good listener today. Sometimes we even punish them for not being good listeners. When the reality is, it's not about the lack of listening. It's about the lack of cooperation. So when I have people ask me, how do I get my kids to start listening to me? I tell them to shift the question. Ask yourself, how do I get my kids to cooperate? Because it's not about listening. They're listening all right. They're just not responding in the way that you want them to. Sometimes making this switch can be so simple. It's a matter of changing your words. So if you've ever struggled to get your kids to put their shoes on, to brush their teeth, to take a bath, whatever it is that we need to motivate our kids to do, check out the mini course, simplefamilies.com forward slash cooperation. It's totally free and I think you're going to love it. It's five of my best tips. Simple, strategic, and actionable. You can use them today. All right, so back to Emily's question. Here's what she wrote. My question is how to handle clashing values when different families come together. My husband and I are new parents, so we have not figured out how to navigate this yet. My brother-in-law and his wife have two young children, and they live in a different state. They plan to come stay with us soon, and we're looking forward to spending time with them. However, I know that we have very different parenting styles. I'm not comfortable with the way my brother-in-law speaks to and disciplines his children, and we have more restrictions on food, screen time, and bedtime. Since they'll be staying with us in our home over multiple days, I'm wondering how to approach any conflicts that might come up. Should I be okay with bending our rules to keep the peace, or should I stand firm in our choices 
while trying not to impose our choices on them. Based on conversations my husband and brother-in-law have had in the past, I don't exactly expect my brother-in-law to be understanding or respectful of our choices. So I'm not sure how to respond if we're criticized. Thanks so much for a question, Emily. This is a really good one. I think before we go into the details and specifics on how to handle this, that we should talk a little bit about how parenting is culturally constructed. One of the main research studies that we look at today was some work done by Diana Baumreid in the 60s and 70s. Diana looked at parenting styles, and she classified three main types of parenting styles. The first being authoritarian. Authoritarian parenting is a very strict style, almost dictator-like in nature. The parents set up rigid rules, high expectations, and there are strict punishments when those rules are broken. Just for ease of remembering, we're going to call this the dictator style for today. And then there's authoritative parenting, which sounds like it might be similar, but it's actually quite different. So authoritative parents give their kids boundaries and they give their kids guidance, but they respect the choices of their children. They allow their children to make choices and decisions, and they allow them to make mistakes and learn from those mistakes. And we'll call this style the responsive parenting style for today. The third style is permissive parenting, and this is where kids have very little in the way of limits and boundaries. They're more like peers with their parents. Sometimes these parents are neglectful and uninvolved, and sometimes they're super, almost overly responsive, like helicopter parents, catering to all of their children's whims. But on either end of that spectrum, that's parents who have low expectations and very limited boundaries for their kids. And for the purposes of today, we'll call this the indulgent parenting style. We go more into depth into understanding and recognizing these parenting styles in my Simplifying Child Behavior program. And this is really important work because even between a couple, a husband and a wife or two partners, there can be vastly different parenting styles. One partner parenting with a permissive style, the other parenting with a dictator style, any of the many combinations of the three. So when I say that parenting is culturally constructed, it's because these parenting styles are often passed down from generation to generation. These parenting styles can differ based on geographical locations. International perspectives on parenting can be very different. Parenting styles can also differ based on social and economic conditions. The research tells us in general that kids who are raised by responsive parents have overall better mental health and well-being. We know that their self-esteem is better. We know that they're happier. That's why parents who are intentional and who are interested in learning more about parenting and human development often strive towards this approach. And I'm going to guess that Emily and her husband are probably moving towards responsive parenting, even though they are new parents. In the past generation, responsive parenting has started to pick up some speed. And what has happened in some families is that it's been taken to an extreme. And they've actually taken the responsiveness towards their kids a little bit too far. And when this happens, when they give their kids too much freedom and too many choices, then they end up being indulgent, which is the third style. So in general, responsive parenting is kind of this sweet spot in between the two. You're not completely controlling your children and giving them strict punishments for violating one of the million rules in your home, but you're also setting up boundaries and you're setting up expectations. So you're neither a dictator nor indulgent. You're right in the middle. You're responsive. Now, like I said, there can be vast differences even within a couple. So you can imagine that there are many, many differences amongst extended family members. 
It's important to consider the individual culture of every family. Things that may seem completely taboo and inappropriate to you might not be to them. Thinking back a few years ago, I was teaching an undergraduate course on child wellness, and we were covering a topic on child abuse. And this was in Texas, and I was standing in front of a class of undergraduates, mostly 19 to 21 years old, I would guess. And I made some type of negative statement about spanking and how it was inappropriate. And I had a girl raise her hand and say, really? Because my principal spanked me at my school. And I think my jaw hit the floor. I was like, what? I was like, they spanked you at your school? What kind of school did you go to? Like, what year was this? So I asked the rest of the class, did anyone else's school allow spanking by the administration? And sure enough, 80 to 90% of the students raised their hands. This was like 2015 in Texas, because apparently schools still spank kids in Texas and parts of the South in the U.S. This completely blew my mind. I totally thought that this sort of practice ended back in the 60s, 70s, 80s at the latest. But even in the present day, there is still spanking in the schools when kids violate rules. This really opened my eyes to the fact that it's really not helpful to label good and bad when it comes to parenting. Not only is this happening in families, but it's also happening in institutions. And it's legal and acceptable. While you don't have to like it and you don't have to agree with it, nor do you have to replicate it, you will also not gain any traction or ground through shaming it. And I think that's where conflicts come in regarding different parenting styles and families. When one person or one subgroup of the family starts to shame or look down upon another. While their choices may be different, they are truly doing the best that they can with the tools that they have. And it is not your job to give them new tools unless they ask for it. To go back to the spanking example, this is usually how it goes down. Spanking usually happens in dictator-style families. When you ask a child to do something and they refuse to do it, you make a threat. The threat falls through. You send them to their room. They refuse to go to their room. Your attempts to control your children through your emotions and through your words fail. And then you're forced to take the next step, which is to use physical control over your children. And often that involves spanking or putting your hands on your kids in a way that you don't want to. And I truly believe that. I believe that there are no parents out there who want to be spanking their kids. They're spanking and using other methods like this because they just don't know any other way. And it's the last resort. But here's another important thing to remember. Spending time around you and being exposed to other ways is going to open their eyes. They may have never experienced a responsive style of parenting. They may only know the dictator style. They may only know the indulgent style. There's a very good chance that they may either consciously or unconsciously pick up on some of the things that you're doing and take them home. But they won't if you shame them. They won't if you look down upon them. The minute they feel like they are being rejected, they are going to reject you. So above and beyond, the best way to make an impact on another family on this topic is to love them unconditionally and to accept them for who they are and to recognize that they are doing the very best that they can with the tools that they have available. And now, Emily, if you're trying to create a loving, judgment-free, shame-free zone for your kids, I'd encourage you to do the same for your in-laws. Okay, so now that I've talked a little bit about the bigger picture of this, 
Let's dive in and go a little bit deeper, and I'll tell you exactly what I would do if I was in your situation. So we're not thinking of parenting on a spectrum. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just different. There are different approaches. If this is the mindset we use to approach it, we're going to be much more impactful and much more successful when dealing with families who are parenting differently. So I'm going to highlight the sentence that Emily said that really stood out to me. She said, I'm not comfortable with the way my brother-in-law speaks to and disciplines his children, and we have more restrictions on food, screen time, and bedtime. So as far as the way your brother-in-law speaks to his children, I would worry less about the passive influence and impact on your own children. Unless, of course, they're very toxic. I think if they're screaming and using profanity, and if they're scaring your children, then I'd remove your children from the situation and then speak to the adults when the time is right. But if you're not seeing these extreme levels of toxic relationships, and you're just seeing a less than ideal, less than respectful way of addressing children, and you don't like it, just remember that your kids are a lot more resilient than you think. They're going to experience people like this and relationships like this in the future. And your positive relationship and your parenting are going to overshadow a few days of less than ideal influences from other adults. I don't think as parents that we should protect our children from other types of parenting styles on other types of kids. I think they need to know that there's a lot of variation in the world and there's a lot of different cultures amongst other families. And they're going to see that as soon as they start spending time in the homes of other children. I remember when I was a new mom and I just had one child and I was trying to parent intentionally. I was very thoughtful about my words and my actions and the relationship that I was building with my child. And nothing drove me crazier than when I had people, sometimes family members tell me that, oh, you're going to change your ways after you have a second kid. In my mind, I heard that as you're going to get lazy and start slacking off, which I found to be pretty offensive because I'm a person that's pretty firm in my beliefs and my standards. And it feels a little offensive when people say these sorts of things to me. So I like to quote my husband. He once said that intentional parenting is like exercise. Even if you know how to do it and you know you should do it, you don't always feel like doing it. And the fact of the matter is, it's going to change as you grow. It's going to change as you add more kids to your family. So the way that you're parenting as a new parent with one child now is going to look differently once you have more children, once your kids get older. So the fact that, Emily, your in-laws have two kids and the kids are older means that they've been doing this for longer. And some of the decisions that they make and the things that they do with their kids might be impacted by that. While I wouldn't say that I started slacking off as I added another kid to my family and as my kids have gotten older, but I have learned to let go of the little things a whole lot more. So in many ways, things have changed since I was a new parent. So be mindful that that might be coming into play with this too. So I encourage you not to impose your rules upon them during their visit, but there are certain things that I do think you should maintain control of. When it comes to food, you're probably going to be steering the ship on this. You're going to be preparing the food and shopping for the food. I would be conscientious of your nieces and nephews, and I would ask in advance what they like to eat and try to serve up things that you know that everyone is going to love. It's not your job to convert picky eaters over this couple days. Now, when it comes to eating habits in our house, you're sitting down at a chair when you're eating, you're not allowed to carry food around the house. This is something that I enforce when there are other kids at our house. So if we had family or friends over and their kids picked up their food and started carrying it around the house and dropping crumbs all over, I would redirect them back to their chairs. I'll say something like, hey, can you sit down here and eat that food? We eat our food at the table because if we carry it around and get crumbs in the other rooms, we might get ants and bugs over there. So we like to keep our food at the table. 
overall, when it comes to food, try to be accommodating as possible and cook up things that you can guarantee that everybody's going to like. Don't be afraid to enforce your rules when it comes to cleanliness and overall how they're respecting your home, your space, and you. But stay in your own lane when it comes to other rules regarding manners and how much kids should eat and whether they're allowed to get up from the table, that sort of thing. I also think it's okay to do the same with screen time. If there's a common TV and your kids are only allowed to have an hour a day, then limit it to an hour a day. But if your in-laws want to give their kids an iPad, just ask that they go to the bedroom or shut the door so that they can use it without your kids being influenced by it. But do it in a gentle, judgmental-free, shame-free way. I'd probably say something like, hey, we're really trying to cut back on our kids' screen time. Would you mind having your daughter take it to the bedroom so that my kids aren't begging for it too? But above all, I think I would have plans or activities in mind to get the kids out of the house or to keep the kids busy. Because if kids are used to watching screen time all the time, that's where they're going to default to the moment they experience any bit of boredom. So if you're going to be limiting the screen time, have something else in mind. Have some plans to get them out of the house, to play outside, or to do some sort of activity at home. And lastly, bedtime. I think for bedtime, also stay in your own lane. Get your kids ready for bed at their normal time. Put them down for bed at their normal time and let your in-laws do as they please. You're probably going to get your kids arguing, well, why do they get to stay up later? Why do they get to watch TV and I have to go to bed? But y'all, that's life. Different parents have different rules, and our kids need to learn that. And I'd say more than likely, if you're putting your kids to bed and you're sitting on the sofa relaxing, your in-laws are probably going to want to do the same thing. So they're probably going to be pretty motivated to get their kids to bed so they can have some adult time too. But I would encourage you to try to be flexible. And this is something I was not as a new parent. Nap times, bedtimes, everything had to happen at a certain place at a certain time with zero flexibility. In episode 130, if you go to simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 130, my guest and I talked about letting go of unrealistic expectations. Natalie from Better Postpartum and I agreed on so many things that we've let up on over the years and so many of the little things that we're letting go and the peace that it's brought us. Your kids are not going to melt with a little bit of change in schedule with a little bit of variation. So if things do get derailed a little bit, just take a couple deep breaths and realize that after the visit, things will go back to normal. Overall, I'd say don't bend your rules to keep the peace, but don't impose your rules onto other children. Unless those children are violating and disrespecting you or violating and disrespecting your home and your kids. If you do come to the point where you need to give feedback, do it very gently. Don't attempt to teach any great lessons in the process. Because remember, this visit is not about teaching them your parenting style. It's about respecting the way that they do things and showing them that they can respect the way that you do things as well. Perhaps some of the things that you do are going to rub off on them for the better, and perhaps some of the things that they do might rub off on you. You never know. But be open to that possibility. After the visit, evaluate how things went. You might decide that a neutral meeting ground is better in the future. So maybe you meet in the middle rather than coming to your house or going to their house. So I hope you found that helpful. I know that as I've become a parent, I've seen that many of my old friends and family members choose to parent in different ways, and that's completely okay with me. And I've actually found myself learning the most from the parents who do things different from me. So when you're spending time with family and friends who are doing life different, do your best to be respectful. Do your best to keep an open mind and don't judge or shame them, even silently, because they'll feel it. I promise that there is a happy medium to be found in here. 
Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm going to put the links in the show notes for the things that we talked about today. That's simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 143. If you want to stay in touch with Simple Families, the best way is to join the email list. If you go to simplefamilies.com at the top, you can leave your email and you'll get updates with what's going on on the blog, the podcast, and in the community. I'll talk with you soon. And more often than not, it's going to go a heck of a lot better than you're anticipating it's going to go.